Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more, back at the beginning on a new phase of the journey to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. In the previous episodes, I announced that as we moved forward, the focus of the podcast would be to examine the climax, the falling action, and the resolution of the endings of each of his novels and break it down by character themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I'm also going to weigh in whether or not I like the ending. Um, So before I get any farther, and today we're going to be talking about The Shining's ending. So the previous two episodes was first with Carrie and then with Salem's Lot. Today we get to talk about The Shining. But first, I want to read two listener emails on iTunes um, because, as I've always stated, I can't do this without you guys. And the more reviews and ratings that I get, uh, the the, the more alive the the, um, Stephen King cast is. So, oh, for God's sakes, writes... A five-star review. This is a great podcast. I enjoy listening to your opinions on Stephen King's work. However, you missed one. Actually, it's one that you have never mentioned. It's the Stephen King slash John Mellencamp musical Ghost Brothers of Darkland County. It has its problems, but as an interesting piece that deserves a look. Thanks. And that is completely accurate. I have never talked about um, that uh, play. Uh, musical, uh, whatever we want to call it. Um, I have never actually talked about it. I've never seen it. Um, It's definitely something that is not in my wheelhouse, and it's a blind spot for me, and so I should definitely check it out. And then we have uh, Karen C. 2000, or Karen S.E. 2004, who, five stars, wrote, love this podcast. Just found this podcast a few weeks ago, and it's a wonderful tool to use Um, after you've read Stephen King's work. The host offers a lot of insight and really gives you new perspectives to think about. The host is so passionate about his love for King, and it shows. That being said, he's not afraid to voice his concerns if he doesn't enjoy a particular story or specific plotline. Highly recommend taking the King journey with this guy. So thank you so much for writing in, guys. I really appreciate it. I can't do it without you. So if anyone has uh, a couple minutes on their hands, do me a favor. Head on over to iTunes. um, Leave a rating and a review, and it will keep uh, the Stephen King cast up um, in the the search query. Uh, query uh, when uh, when people type in Stephen King. All right, um, and then now what I'm going to do is I am going to um, head backwards a little bit uh, because, as you know, we have been discussing endings, endings of the the works of Stephen King. So every episode from this point forward, unless it's you know some major movie review that I'm doing or um, general thoughts on a TV show or um, a new book analysis. That every episode is going to be examining the the ending of uh, the the works of Stephen King in chronological order. Um, and so I've been utilizing Facebook and Twitter and Instagram to get your thoughts. And as always, uh, Stephen King cast at yahoo.com for those deeper thoughts. So I'm um, Philip wrote in about Carrie. Um, so if you go back a couple episodes, you'll see that I concluded that meeting Carrie met the criteria of, of what I will use uh, for The Shining as well. And it's an ending that I both happen to like personally, and I feel it's an objectively good ending based on what Stephen King was working with. And uh, I asked everyone to share their thoughts as well. 
Um, Michael writes, greetings. Sorry for not getting back to you in a timely manner, but production of Sweeney Todd, which I am directing, has kept me busy. In response to your last email, I very much enjoyed Dr. Sleep, both the theatrical and director's cut. I'm one of the few that finds little merit. This is actually, this is in response to an email that I've written, but it's actually uh, very appropriate for what we're going to be talking about today. Um, I'm one of the few that finds very little merit in Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, which King has also gone public about hating, and with good reason. His version offers little, if any, redemption for the characters and their plight, while I feel King's book really goes into that idea with the ending. But after watching Dr. Sleep, I have a new appreciation for its hollowed position in the annals of classic horror. And boy, that murder scene was dark. As for the ending of Carrie, I know other versions have done their own twists, but the original seems to be the best result for the story. Her connection with Sue gives her a last-minute genuine human connection that she solely deserves. But to allow Carrie to live would seem cheap and almost a ploy to ensure a sequel. The aftermath of the Black Prom, the White Committee leaves enough material uh, to open up possibilities. Oh, I just lost it. To open up possibilities. Um without making a direct sequel. There really was no other way to end Carrie after what she does, and based on that, I would venture to even call her a tragic hero. While Carrie's deeds are not to be smiled upon, her motivation and reason for doing so is completely understandable. It's very eerie as well. In this day and age of domestic terrorism and school shootings, I felt almost as if King was unwilling, unwittingly predicting a future response to a cruel and unwelcoming social circle. In conclusion, thanks as always for the wonderful critiques and assessments of King's work. As an English teacher, I rarely have time to read on my own, but I have managed to incorporate King's work into my own curriculum. I teach the body and apt pupil from different seasons in my class. While I understand the material may be too intense for high school, the book is approved and I take a very honest and direct approach with it. The students are great at keeping an adult attitude about the content and usually end up running to the library to devour any other Stephen King book they can find. It's some of the most fun I have teaching. Keep up the good work and stay away from any sewer drains. Sincerely, Michael. Michael, thank you for writing in. Good luck with Sweeney Todd, and congratulations on being able to um, incorporate Stephen King into your curriculum. I think that that's, that that's wonderful that you have a school committee that is, is willing to do that. That's, that's fantastic and forward-thinking, and um, I'm, I'm really, really glad to hear it. Okay, so what I'm going to do now, I'm going to uh, focus us on the conclusion of The Shining, but in order to do that, I want um, to read the, the, the Wikipedia summary of The Shining so that we're able to place the ending within the context of everything that led up to it. So, from Wikipedia, The Shining mainly takes place in the fictional Overlook Hotel, an isolated haunted resort hotel located in the Colorado Rockies. The history of the hotel, which is described in backstory by several characters, includes the death of some of its guests and former winter caretaker Delbert Grady, who succumbed to cabin fever and killed his family and himself. Jack Torrance, his wife Wendy, and their five-year-old son Danny move into the hotel after Jack accepts the position as a winter caretaker. Jack is an inspiring writer and a recovering alcoholic with anger issues, which, prior to the story, had caused him to accidentally break Danny's arm and lose his position as a teacher after assaulting a student. Jack hopes that the hotel's seclusion will help him reconnect with his family and give him the motivation needed to work on a play. Danny, unknown to his parents, possesses psychic abilities referred to as The Shining, that enable him to read minds and experience premonitions as well as clairvoyance. The Torrances arrive at the hotel on closing day and are given a tour by the manager. They meet Dick Holleran, the chef, who also possesses similar abilities to Danny's and helps to explain them to him, giving Holleran and Danny a special connection. 
The remaining staff and guests depart the hotel, leaving the Torrances alone in the hotel for the winter. As the Torrances settle in at the Overlook, Danny sees ghosts and frightening visions. Although Danny is close to his parents, he does not tell either of them about his visions because he senses that the caretaking job is important to his father and the family's future. Wendy considers leaving Jack at the Overlook to finish the job by himself. Danny refuses, thinking his father will be happier if they stayed. However, Danny soon realizes that his presence in the hotel makes the supernatural activity more powerful, turning echoes of the past uh, tragedies into dangerous threats. Apparitions take solid form and the garden's topiary animals come to life. The winter snowfall leaves the Torrances cut off from the outside world in the isolated hotel. The Overlook has difficulty possessing Danny, so it begins to possess Jack by frustrating his need and desire to work and by enticing him with the storied history of the hotel through a scrapbook and records in the basement. Jack starts to develop cabin fever and becomes increasingly unstable. Destroying a CB radio and sabotaging a snowmobile, the only two links with the outside world the Torrances had. One day after a fight with Wendy, Jack finds the hotel's bar fully stocked with liquor despite being previously empty and witnesses a party at which he meets the ghost of a bartender named Lloyd. He also dances with a young woman ghost who tries to seduce Jack. As he gets drunk, the hotel uses the ghost of the former caretaker Grady to urge Jack to kill his wife and son. He initially resists, but the increasing influence of the hotel combined with Jack's own alcoholism and anger proved too great. He becomes a monster under the control of the hotel, succumbing to his dark side. Wendy and Danny get the better of Jack after he attacks Wendy, locking him inside the walk-in pantry, but the ghost of Delbert Grady releases him after he makes Jack promise to bring him to Danny and kill Wendy. Jack attacks Wendy with one of the hotel's um, roquet mallets, grievously injuring her, but she escapes to the caretaker's suite and locks herself in the bathroom. Jack attempts to break the door with the mallet, but Wendy slashes his hand with a razor blade to deter him. Meanwhile, Halloran has received psychic distress call from Danny while working at a winter resort in Florida. Halloran rushes back to the Overlook, only to be attacked by the topiary animals and severely injured by Jack. As Jack pursues Danny through the Overlook and comes and corners him on the hotel's top floor, he briefly gains control of himself and implores Danny to run away after Danny stands his ground and denounces Jack as a mask and a false face worn by the hotel. The hotel takes control of Jack again, making him violently batter his own face and skull into ruin with the mallet, destroying the last vestiges of Jack and leave, leaving behind uh, a being controlled by the hotel's own malevolent manager personality. Remembering that Jack has neglected to relieve the pressure on the hotel's unstable boiler, Danny informs the hotel that it's about to explode. As Danny, Wendy, and Halloran flee, the hotel creature rushes to the basement in an attempt to vent the pressure. But it's too late and the boiler explodes, killing Jack and destroying the Overlook. Fighting off, fighting off a last attempt by the hotel to possess him, Halloran guides Danny and Wendy to safety. The book's epilogue is set during this next summer. Halloran, who has taken a chef's job at a resort in Maine, comforts Danny over the loss of his father as Wendy recuperates from the injuries Jack inflicted upon her. Okay, so before I get into my thoughts about The Shining, I asked you what your thoughts were. So I had, um, no one's written in yet uh, to Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com, but feel free to write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com with the subject heading The Shining Ending so I know uh, how to organize everything. Or uh, you can, uh, you know, share your thoughts on Facebook as a number, um, a number of listeners have. So I pose the question, The Shining, how do you feel about the ending? Good? Bad? Go. And so Evan wrote, I think it's his first um, catastrophe. 
not, not just another explosion. Uh, Aaron wrote, I like it. I find the boiler to be a terrific metaphor, and Jack's momentary redemption is nice. Rose wrote, love the book ending. The movie ending was just meh. Same with Dr. Sleep, though it was an excellent sequel. The books go perfectly together. You would think that Stephen King wrote them back to back with how well they flow together and all the little details, and the movies go perfectly together. Jeffrey wrote, thinking about the book only, it was all right. I wish the beginning of Dr. Sleep had been the end of The Shining. I wasn't crazy about the book, Dr. Sleep. It veered a bit into YA for me and actually liked the movie more. But I read it immediately after The Shining, and I felt like if The Shining had just continued um, on to Danny locking up the woman in the bathroom, it would have been a bit of a plus. Still all right, though. Annie writes, I like the way The Shining ended, the book. Jack redeemed himself, saving his family. It's a great read. Definitely better than the movie. Dr. Sleep, the movie was for me, slightly better than the book. Uh, Justin writes, A Little Deus Ex Machina with the rescue. Uh, Mikey writes, The book, meh, another explosion. Film originally, meh, <laughs> it has grown on me. Um, Amber writes, Book amazing, movie lame. Um, Kirk writes, I, love, I learned to love the film, but I hate Shelley as Wendy. And then Charles writes, good. So uh, those are the thoughts that we have so far on The Shining. But um, next week, when I get around to reviewing uh, The Dead Zone, is that what's up next? Next, um, I will, if there's any, any emails about, uh, um, about The Shining, I'll, I'll definitely read them. Okay, so now that we've shared your... Um, thoughts. Here are my thoughts. So in order for us to really discuss the ending, we need to clarify um, and classify exactly what do we mean by the ending. So I am treating the ending as everything from the climax onward. So the climax, the falling action, and the resolution. So for me, um, I believe that the climax um, is the, the, the conclusion to the conflict of the, the hotel trying to possess Jack um, and trying to, to use Jack as his tool and Jack fighting off his, his alcoholic demons, his personal demons, his, his demons from the past, his worst impulses, all of that to try. Um, he's trying to fight that off to, to be the father he can be and the husband he can be. And it's a losing battle for him and eventually he is just ultimately corrupted and possessed by the Overlook Hotel. That is the climax of the novel. That means that the falling action is he attempts to murder his family, but successfully holds off the evil influence long enough to help them escape and destroy the Overlook with the boiler explosion. The resolution is Wendy, Doc, and Dick escape. They watch the Overlook burn. The evil that possessed, by the hotel, that possessed the hotel is swallowed up by the night, and then King provides an epilogue about the events that take place, indicating that the family will heal. So in order to focus our examination here, here is the criteria that I'm putting forth to analyze the conclusion of the book. Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that are consistent with the characters' actions, the conflicts, and the themes of the book? I would say yes. As I stated in my original review, the power of the book has less to do with the haunted hotel and more to do with what the haunted hotel means. The horror is only a vehicle to examine Jack Torrance's dependence and his selfishness. If the story is about a husband and a father's destruction of his family by his own addiction and rage issues from the ghosts of his own childhood, then to conclude it with the full-on possession of the main character is the natural culmination of the character's arc. To take it one step further, 
Though Jack's actions might ultimately save his family, it's not before he puts them through extreme trauma that they'll never truly get over. So for a story whose characters are suffering from generational trauma, King ensures that the actions of the main character will keep the man's family haunted long after he's gone. From a character standpoint, yes, I feel as that it upholds to just an objectively good ending. And that's just on Jack. Um, you know, don't forget that we have you know, we, we were able to spend time with Wendy um, as she is forced to fight her husband and, 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 and Danny um, having a confrontation with the, the, the monstrous figure of what his father was. So King places us um, firmly within this horror so that we have a, a deep understanding of what is occurring um, in the Overlook Hotel. The next question is, does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? Um, as already stated in some of the, the, the um, responses, but I'm sure that we're all going to get a kick out of the oft-used king trope of everything burning or exploding at the end of the book. But just because it's on fire doesn't mean that the ending is a dumpster fire. In this case, the burning down of the overlook is a payoff to the boiler room that King had incorporated earlier in the novel. Of course, we're talking about The Shining, um, and it's hard not to compare the novel's ending with Kubrick's cinematic conclusion. And if you want to compare and contrast the two stories, I have an entire episode devoted to that. I'm not going to litigate that particular ending here, um, because what's important is that we look at what King does with his endings. So we've already established that King has made a point about the fault, faulty boilers, so the fiery conclusion is a natural extension of what had come before. Um, if we hadn't had <clears throat> two fires previously to this, then um, this standing on its own, we really wouldn't have that criticism. But now we see that Carrie ends in flames, Salem's Lot ends in flames, The Shining is ending in flames, but, you know, still, you know, I, I guess your mileage is going to vary on that. But for me, I, I think that King had placed... The, the payoff for that earlier on in the novel with the boiler. Um, so I, I'm leaning towards that this is a successful wrap-up of the plot and not knocking the fire against him. Does the conclusion serve the theme, the symbolism, and the motifs? From a plot perspective, burning the hotel to the ground is a definitive way to defeat the villain of the story. We know how to kill our monsters. Silver bullets kill the werewolf. Wooden stakes kill a vampire. Shadow puppets kill soul-stealing peddlers? I'm not quite sure about that one. Stay tuned for the Needful Things analysis to see how well that ending holds up. But you get my point. How do you kill a possessed house? Well, you could perform an exorcism, I guess, but uh, that capability is beyond the skill set of our characters, and King had explored this route. Um, and if King had explored this route, I would not be discussing the ending in a positive light. So how do you defeat an evil house? <clears throat> Well, uh, you can't stab it with sharp wood, and you can't shoot the drywall with silver bullets. So what do you do? Well, you burn it to the ground. That's what you do. So as I stated, from a plot perspective, this aligns with the if this, then that cause and effect. If the house is possessed, then the way to vanquish the house is to burn it to the ground. This is a natural conclusion to the established plot. From a thematic and symbolic perspective, the fire also fits very well. More so than the film, King managed to ground the uh, present firmly within the history of the Overlook. Not only is Jack succumbing to te temptation of the bottle, but his losing battle is also presented as useless. 
based on the overwhelming history of murder and tragedy, his failure is all but guaranteed. Because King has Jack, and therefore the reader, spend so much time obsessing over the history of the hotel, which threatens to swallow him whole, the fire at the ending of the book not only defeats the villain from the present, but burns its past to the ground as well. The fire consumes the totality of what the Overlook was, as much as what the Overlook um, has consumed everything that Jack is. Fire purifies, and in this case, it scrubs the history, and therefore the strength of the Overlook from this world. And from a symbolic standpoint, the fire burning against the oppressive snow, which had signified claustrophobia and isolation, is a victorious image. To take it one step further, the novel is entitled The Shining, which indicates light. What is fire but a cleansing? It's an all-consuming light. The Overlook wanted, the Overlook wanted Danny's shining, and in its greed, it is burned to the ground. Much like fully falling prey to dependency. So I think that from a thematic and symbolic standpoint, it fits the criteria of being an objectively good ending. Okay, are there other factors that we need to consider here? Um, like I said, it's difficult to discuss the ending of King's book without discussing what Kubrick had done. King ends on a hopeful note. And Kubrick famously concludes uh, the movie with that damning image of the soul of Jack Torrance having been assimilated into the monstrous entity known as the Overlook. With that said, if you prefer the Kubrick version over the King version, it's not entirely fair to criticize the King ending due to the fact that the ending is a natural capper to the story that he crafted. Um, and I don't think that if you prefer one over the other, but your preference is fine, and that falls into the subjective whether or not you like it. Um, but I think that we need to examine whether or not the events um, that, that King portrays here at the end and the, the wrap-up of the characters and the themes of the plot, I think that we need to examine it based on what King had done in his own book. So here we go. Do I like the ending? Yes, I like the ending. I think it's very thrilling, and I think that it's very tragic. I like the ending. Is it a good ending? So I would say, based on everything that we had just discussed, yes, I think it is a good ending. Again, if you prefer Kubrick, cool. I just don't think that we can necessarily take it away from King. Um, you can like both, and both can be good. Um, you can like one more than the other. But right now, I would say that I think that it is a good ending, and I think that I like this ending. So right now, in this examination, King... Uh, is three for three on both accounts. With Carrie, I happen to like the ending of Carrie. I happen to like the ending of Salem's Lot. I happen to like the ending of The, of the Shining. And I think that all three are objectively good. Now, if you disagree, please write into the Stephen King cast at yahoo.com and for whatever the disagreement is, just write in the subject heading the title of the book the ending, so I know exactly which one you are talking about. Okay, um, and that's all I got for this week, guys. Uh, next week, I am not going to be reviewing the short stories in Night Shift. I am not reviewing um, 
anything by Bachman, I am not reviewing the stand. I'm going to review the, the unabridged edition of the stand later on in, in that chronology, which means that the next episode is going to be on the dead zone. So if you have any thoughts on the dead zone ending, please write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com um, and in the subject heading write dead zone ending so I know uh, what you're talking about. Okay, guys, thank you for listening this week, and may you have long days and pleasant nights, and I'll see you here next week where M-O-O-N spells Stephen King Cast. Holding up the things that make you mine About your hair, you needn't care You look beautiful all of the time